the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yeah, it'll be a hot night for week three of the high school football season. Hopefully, uh, the violence is contained on the field, is uh, allowed by the rules of the game. Nothing else happens outside. Uh, It's going to be a hot weekend. It's going to be a long weekend. Hopefully, nothing will happen. We've had too much violence. Uh, teen-generated and uh, visited upon teens lately. That's on the mind of Ken in Columbus. He calls the show 844-TALK-989, 844-TALK-989. Uh, welcome to the Bruce Hooley Show, Ken. Hey, how you doing? Good. Yeah, I just I just wanted to uh, say that, um, or just remind people, of just a few months ago when they had that teen takeover phenomenon, I can't remember exactly what city it was, maybe Seattle, Chicago. Maybe up in- Chicago. Chicago, yeah. Well, the uh, I, I personally believe the team takeover is an extension of what happened in 19 and 20 and places like Seattle and Portland, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, that's nothing more than an extension of what's going on there. Kids are so frustrated, they're just going crazy, and they want an excuse to cause violence. What do you think they're frustrated by? I think they're frustrated by their personal future. Everyone's telling them that it's crap, the economy's going to crash, you can never buy a house, you can't have a future, yada, yada, yada. And so these kids are like, well, then life is useless. Let's just rebel and, and cause violence. Yeah, well, thank you for the call, Ken. I appreciate the perspective. Uh, my own perspective on it is I'm not sure they're thinking that far ahead. I, I, you and I think about that. I think about that many times during a week. What kind of world are my kids going to grow up in? I've said before that my fear is they have no chance of growing up in the kind of world I grew up in, where my concerns were not about things of great weight and gravity like those things you just referred to. What kind of job am I going to have? What kind of house am I going to have? I don't know that teens think about that. I've got some pretty long-term thinking kids planning out, particularly the one that I have in college. She might be thinking about that now. I'm thinking about how can she ever afford to buy a house. I don't think that's what kids are thinking about, though, in high schools around central Ohio. I think kids are, I agree with you, 100% frustrated. What I think they're frustrated by, they would have a hard time putting their finger on. I think they are frustrated by the fact that they don't have structure in their life. Too many of them don't know aren't absolutely certain, don't see evidence of the fact that they are loved. Now, I'm not talking about people who raise them and who might help them buy, you know, the latest, greatest pair of whatever shoe is hot or whatever handbag is hot or whatever phone is hot or whatever they want to have that'll give them like the temporal pleasure of, you know, something their friends will envy for five seconds until the friend buys something better than the thing your kid has. I'm talking about kids who don't know that they're loved because there's no discipline, there's no structure in their life. We have 
allowed the advancement of ideas in our country that tell people that if anyone tells you no on anything, they are trying to diminish your ability to be your authentic self. They are denying you what you need to feel fulfilled. When it might seem counterintuitive, but the more structure you have in your life, the more expectations are set for you. And yes, I will say this, the more we allow our teenagers to struggle with things that are hard to solve, but they are either solvable or survivable, the better off those kids are going to be. The better off those kids are going to be. I have in the past intervened in situations involving my children in school, in relationships, that I now realize in that situation was a mistake because it really didn't change the dynamic and it spared my child the struggle that would have built an ability to adapt and deal with struggle. You've been a working person, most of you listening to this show, for a fair amount of your life, right? Are your work relationships always perfect? Are your life relationships always perfect? Is your marriage always perfect? Do you have adversity more often than you have perfect in your life? I'm going to guess yes. You have adversity more often than you have perfect. So if you haven't learned as a teenager how to deal with adversity, how to solve your own problems, how to address your own problems, maybe you don't solve them, but you at least address them. I know of a situation where some normal teenage angst is occurring. And one parent involved with the child isn't going to allow or I would even say force their child to address the issue because they're uncomfortable doing it. And my response to that is, so? Or my other response is, good. Because you grow from discomfort. I've said this before, and it was a real epiphany to me. One time I was sitting down, I was writing down all the people that had come into my life and been a blessing in my life over a certain period of time that coincided with a major event in my life that was not pleasant. And I was sitting there thinking, you know, I'm a couple years past that event, and I have this friend and this friend and this relationship and this affiliation now that I didn't have before, and all these good things resulted as a, as a consequence of me going through that adversity. And then I thought, I'm really blessed by these new relationships, new people, new affiliations. And then I thought, but if you'd have given me the choice up front to avoid the unpleasant circumstance that led to those new people coming into my life, you just said, you know, you can avoid all this coming up and just stick with the friends you have and the affiliations you have and the relationships you have. You won't meet all these people. You'll never meet these people. They'll never come into your life. They'll never plug into your life. They'll never enrich your life. They'll never challenge you. They'll never support you. Would I have chosen to avoid that up front? Yeah, I would have. I would have. 
And that's what we do to our teenagers. I think our teenagers are frustrated. For instance, this 15-year-old young man who was murdered at Easton, I said earlier in the week, when you read the tribute to him from his family in the Columbus Dispatch, and this is not his fault, by the way, it's just a fact. When you read the tribute to him in the dispatch, there was no father mentioned. There was no mother mentioned. His stepfather had been murdered. His uncle had been murdered. His sisters said he introduced them as, no, excuse me, his aunts said he introduced them as his sisters. Clearly something went wrong in the family tree this young man sprouted from. There is no way, absent a faithful mother-father, God-centered family relationship, there is no way that dysfunction will not intervene. And how that dysfunction will manifest itself, I don't know. It doesn't always, thankfully, end up with a person afflicted by that dysfunction getting murdered. It doesn't always. In fact, it probably rarely does. But it sure seems like it happens a lot. And it sure seems like in Columbus this year, it's happening a lot more. We've had at least 10 teenagers murdered, some of them by other teenagers. When that happens, you've lost really more than one life. You've lost the life that is taken, and you've lost the life that now is likely going to be tied up in the court system for either a very long time or forever. Okay? So, yes, I do think our kids are frustrated. But I think we have to be aware enough, courageous enough, hands-off enough. My brother gave me some great advice when he had his kids, and I wasn't even married yet. And I said, how do you know what to allow your kids to do and what not to allow your kids to do? And he said, you have to. You can't say no all the time, but you have to say no on the things that could lead to a life-altering mistake. That was probably 10, 15 years ago. The difference between something innocuous and a life-altering mistake. That line is so blurred now. A trip to Easton for a movie? How's that a life-altering mistake? But it is because of the mistakes we've made in raising our kids. We will welcome Jack Windsor, the Ohio Press Network, to the program 1205. I always look forward to Jack's visits with us. And I would imagine perhaps our conversation today, certainly our conversation as we near the November election will involve uh, conversations about what's going on with the abortion amendment that will be on the ballot. Uh, it's really despicable and disgusting, uh, but totally predictable, that the Columbus Dispatch is now engaged in a propaganda campaign to prop up unrestricted abortion in the state of Ohio. I noted Yesterday, while looking at the website, and again, I look at the website, so you don't have to. (laughs) The headline jumped out at me. An abortion saved my life and made the family I have now possible. And it's uh, from a Worthington mom. I'm debating whether to give her name. Uh, No. She She put her name out there. Why not? Emily Savers. Okay. Guest columnist. Now. This is, by my count, at least the second, I think maybe third, hit piece on anyone who would oppose unrestricted abortion in the state of Ohio. By the time we reach November 7th, the dispatch will have, I predict, have published at least 10 op-ed pieces 
advocating for the passage of the abortion amendment bill. Now, let me just tell you how journalism is supposed to work on an op-ed page. An op-ed page is opposing opinions on the editorial page. It's supposed to be a cross-section of opinions. It's supposed to be representative of the community in which the news entity exists. And an ideal scenario is where all the differing opinions are represented. That will not be the case with the abortion amendment, as it was not the case with a proposed House bill that would have kept sexual identity, gender ideology out of our schools. The editorials were all, in that case, one-sided, pro-social-emotional learning, pro-wokeism, pro-groom-the-kids, and these will be all one-sided. And what's really despicable about this is about 90% of the people just read the headline and move on. They don't even read the story, okay? So they read the story, oh, an abortion amendment on the ballot. Well, you know, it was the Worthington mom who said that an abortion saved her life and made the family she has now possible. So, you know, maybe I should consider maybe abortion's not evil. So I read this piece, and it's all Yankee, tuggy, wuggy on the heartstrings all the way through. As a mother of two beautiful daughters, I can say with confidence that the incredible family I currently have would not be possible without abortion. So she tells the story that she got married and she already had a daughter from a previous marriage and her husband and her wanted more kids and she got pregnant and she started to have difficulty with the pregnancy. And she called her obstetrician and was asked to come in immediately. And here's what the editorial says. Upon arriving, an ultrasound was conducted And my worst fears were confirmed. There was no heartbeat. My husband and I were devastated. We lost our dream of welcoming a child into this world together. Here's the kicker. When most people think about abortion, they don't think of people like me who desperately wanted to be pregnant. But that's exactly what I did next. No, it's not what you did next. An abortion kills a living child. A child living in the womb of the mom. This is not an abortion that you underwent. It was a procedure that might look like an abortion, but what does not make it an abortion is the fact that the child was already dead. So you were not killing a live child. You were not ending a life. The life had tragically already ended in your womb, and we're very sorry about that. But for you to take a very difficult personal circumstance and label it the same as a mom going to an abortion clinic and killing a child that, if left alone, would proceed to term, would be born, would live and breathe and die and love and experience life, is an egregious lie. Tell the truth, Emily Savers. You are someone who believes that women in Ohio should be able to abort a child at any point in their pregnancy. You don't want to admit it, just like no Democratic politician wants to admit it, just like Jen Psaki lied about it on Twitter a week or so ago. No one is for late-term abortion. And then we can play an endless video of Democratic politicians when asked, what restrictions do you favor being placed on abortion? Well, I think it's between the woman and her doctor. The answer is none. They favor no restrictions on abortion, which means that there will be third-trimester abortions some all the way up to birth, and the language in the Ohio Amendment will allow doctors and moms 
to make the decision in rare cases, if necessary, according to the health of the mother, which of course includes the mental health of the mother, which means my mental health will be messed up by the fact that I have a child. I don't want to have the child. I've waited eight months, but I got to guard my own mental health because I'm selfish and because I'm denying what is glaringly obvious to everyone that I have a life inside of me. So go ahead and kill the child. And Ohio law will not prevent that if this abortion bill passes. So I don't know this lady. And I'm going to say that it's perhaps possible that she didn't enter into this uh, duplicitous use of her life story by the Columbus Dispatch with uh, full awareness of just how hideous and evil it is that the Dispatch is using her story to advocate for the killing of viable children. I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt on that. But this is really awful that you suffered this past difficulty that you have since had at least one and maybe two, because I didn't read the story that closely after I found out that you were writing about an abortion that you did not really have. You had another procedure, but what you had was not an abortion. Your child was already gone. You say your child was already gone. No heartbeat, okay? And you claim that, oh, if I'd have left the child in... Well, of course not. Nobody's... No pro-life advocate in the state of Ohio would have wanted you to carry a dead child inside you. That would be at risk of your health. We are not ghouls. The ghouls are on your side of the argument. If you don't believe me, listen to this cut from a woman named Uta Landy. She won the Margaret Sanger Award from Planned Parenthood, which is a little bit like winning the Adolf Hitler Award from the American Nazi Party. Talking about what a Planned Parenthood counselor said to her about how this Planned Parenthood counselor deals with the fact that she's ending the life of viable children. Another comment. My coping mechanism is to focus on the baby fetus. Reverence for something that was once alive and now it's not. Reverence? My, my, the way I cope is to focus on the fetus. Reverence for something that was once alive but now is not. I thought they said that's not a child in there. It's not alive. It's a clump of cells. It's bodily autonomy it's reproductive rights they know they know that's a child they know it's alive they know they're killing a life reverence for something that was once alive but now is not three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal flynn told the truth he was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.